Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Wheel of Horror, the podcast where two best friends spin a wheel every day leading up to Halloween and discuss it. Today we are talking about 1985's The Return of the Living Dead, which was directed by Dan O'Bannon. I'm your co-host, Alec. I'm Eric, and with us again is Joe Testa. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Good to hear your voice, Eric, and congratulations, man. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I know. Yeah, this is the first time you guys have really talked yeah in a while yeah yeah it's been a long time and uh yeah glad to be back and uh glad to hear that voice (laughs) ah thanks joe (laughs) yeah i mean we we text every once in a while you know the three of us but uh but yeah i love having us all together and obviously joe and i have been just you know going over so many movies the past few months but it's good to have us all together i love this i love this yeah it's been a while it's been a while i don't even know the last time but I really couldn't think of a more fun movie than this one. I mean, I just need to know right off the bat. I, Joe, I know you've seen this a million times, but Eric, is this your first time? Yes, this is my first time seeing this one. Okay, I feel like this is a Eric movie. And I feel yeah, like if you yeah. saw this in like middle school, this would have like defined your life, dude. I would have had this on in the background for like months, (laughs) just as I like do my homework and stuff. Okay, so I was right. I I I really the first time I ever saw this movie, I was like, damn, I feel like Eric would love this. Yeah, is this the first funny zombie movie? Hmm, Joe. Like that was like I think it is. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, I I think this is the first funny zombie movie. Maybe the first fast moving zombie movie. The first zombie movie where they're eating brains. Uh, I feel like this is uh, the first for several things that maybe this movie doesn't get enough credit for, you know? Yeah. I, you know, you're right. I, was, I, I knew the brains thing. This is the first time they mentioned it, but I never thought about comedic. Yeah, I doubt it. Maybe, maybe there's some B movie out there, but who knows? Think about how many other movies like derived from being a comedy with like like Zombie Land, this is what the first one that comes to mind, and like oh, Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead, jeez, yeah, yeah, of course. Oh my god, yeah, no, seriously. Now, Joe, what is your relationship with this franchise? All of it. Oh man, this is another one where I don't really remember life before it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's one that me and my friends just revisited constantly. And I know I must have been pretty young when I first saw it because I remember when that opening graphic comes up and it says "based on a true story." <laughs> I found that quite unnerving as a kid. Really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, and again, this was uh, one of those VHS covers that had that just amazing post art you know the one i'm talking about with the three punk rock zombies i just 
I just love that poster to this day. So, yeah, this is a special one for me. Yeah, the poster is so iconic. And it, it always just felt like a comedy to me even before I saw it. Like, just looking at that poster, I'm like, this doesn't look scary. It just looks fun and cool, you know? But, you know, a quick question I kind of had just for both of you guys. It seems to me like this movie is basically, it takes place in, well, no, I guess it would just be the regular world or whatever. But they're saying that they're acknowledging Night of the Living Dead. As if it's like a real thing. and But didn't Dan O'Bannon have something to do with Night of the Living Dead? Or I think I'm confusing this. Yeah, I think you're confusing him with John Russo. Okay. And I actually, I believe I might have mentioned him way back in my very first Wheel of Horror appearance. We talked about Night of the Living Dead. Mm. And John Russo uh, was the co-writer of that movie with George Romero. And, you know, they both kind of went their separate ways and both, you know, tried to capitalize on the success of that movie, which, you know, nobody made out too well with that movie because of the the copyright issue that I went into way back when. Right. So, you know, uh, Romero went off and did Dawn of the Dead and John Russo wrote a book and a script called Return of the Living Dead, which from what I understand has almost nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> from what I understand, producers really just wanted that title. They bought him out and um, hired Dan O'Bannon to write a script called Return of the Living Dead. Huh. Okay, so, so John Russo has obviously some connection to the original uh, Night of the Living Dead, but yeah, because I just thought that was cool how they like acknowledge that movie and they're kind of using plot points from that film to apply to this. Kind of like Shaun of the Dead, too, but yeah, I just love that. I was going to say it feels very ahead of its time. It's like, um, it's almost this meta kind of thing where characters in this movie are aware of zombie movies and the conventions and the rules of zombie movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know, that that immediately stood out to me. Another thing that really stood out to me, and I, Eric, I want to see if you notice this, what does the score remind you of, Eric? Honestly, I was going to say Top Gun. Me too! Yes, bit. that's it, yes! With the, like, the dong, yes, the bell. Yes, exactly, dude. And it's funny, because this movie came out before Top Gun, but that, like, dong, like that, like, Taco <laughs> Bell, like, dong. Like, yeah. Dude, <laughs> 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 I'm so glad zombies. you thought that, dude. dude I, I did think that, yeah. <laughs> It's funny. I actually had another movie I was I was listening to the soundtrack for was Halloween Three. That sounds so much like the Terminator. If you were to listen to that theme too, so that's so funny that you mentioned that. Like, what else does it remind you of? Mm, so yeah. Halloween Three. Give that soundtrack a listen again. It's like, oh man, this is the Terminator. <laughs> it is. It is Eric. Very Terminator. And <laughs> ha had I not just seen uh, you know Top Gun Maverick relatively recently, I probably wouldn't even know what you guys are talking about. But now that you say that, it, yeah, absolutely, I hear it, dude. It's all I hear and it's it's such like a cool opening shot or whatever like when that starts it's just like the gas is coming out and the people start getting infected so I just love the way that looks that that was my favorite part of the movie when he's just like this is it's like don't worry this was made by the army corps engineers he like gives like a little like slap on the like hood of a car kind of thing and it just like <laughs> pops open he's like oh shit you know, I was going to say, you know, something I love about this movie is it doesn't really seem to have too much of like George Romero's uh, pretentiousness. And I mean that in the best possible way. You guys know I sure. love George Romero, but it doesn't really have his, you know, social commentary. This movie is more just, you know, a good time, a party. But now that you mention it, I do feel like there are digs at like the government and the military. Like when he says, oh, you know, this is made by the U.S. government. One one slap and it just pops over. Yeah, the ar army probably did not like that scene. 
Yeah. And actually, <laughs> even even the the ending, the the very dark ending of this movie, which I'm sure we'll get to, you know, it has this kind of cynical feel that the army doesn't give a shit about these people. They're all expendable. Well, now that you say that, Joe, actually, I'm thinking about, too, the second we meet the colonel or whatever, right, when he goes into his house, he's, like, kind of a dick to his wife, just starts drinking, like, doesn't seem to be, like, a good guy. They don't make him seem like an all... Yeah, so you're right. I think they are kind of taking a dig at the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the, here's the kicker, too, with that whole, like they lost the shipment this is like fedex like what is this like the usps <laughs> like like how do you how do you lose like that most important probably thing which if it got out you'd have to like freaking you know we'll talk about the ending but like how do you let that happen yeah these things should be more precious than like nuclear bombs right <laughs> yeah but there's just yeah a couple dozen of them out there somewhere or whatever yeah but also like why didn't they return it when they got it like why did they keep it did they ever answer that? Like, oh, it's like a secret stash of cool shit. No, yeah, I feel like it's just one of those things. They're like, uh, put them in the basement. We'll get around to it. And then like 20 years passed. <laughs> I could relate to that. Yeah, man. that makes sense. It's an interesting movie because it has such like a massive juxtaposition between characters. Like we're introduced to kind of these like uptight older business kind of guys and then we also get these punk rock just don't give a shit about anything kind of people and to have them mix i really liked that i loved the characters in this especially clue gulliger or whatever however you say his name <laughs> dude i love him so much it's so sad he just died i hope i look like him when i'm in my 50s yeah we just talked about clue in our uh nightmare on elm street 2 podcast he's awesome i love him he's hilarious and i I mean i love this cast in general and i feel like the punk music and the costuming it gives this movie so much like character and attitude and it sets it apart from romero i almost feel like clue and frank you know those guys would be the romero cast Mm -hmm. you know if this was a romero movie but all of Freddy, like Freddie and his friends, like they just give this movie such a like a freshness, you know, and it keeps it from feeling tired or like a, a Romero ripoff. Mm-hmm. And even compared to like Friday the 13th, where they're all just kind of like blah, generic teens or whatever. This mm-hmm. one, like Jesus, man, like these people all look so crazy. They've all got crazy trash, suicide, you know, and then you get like one of the most graphic nude dances I've like ever seen in a movie, especially in the eighties and for no reason at all. Like, and in the first 30 minutes, which is like, Whoa, okay. I was not expecting that. I was just like, Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Oh, oh what's going on? This, this wasn't, why is this happening? Well, I wanted to ask you guys about that because that scene, which I'm very fond of, um, it's always confused me though. And I never got an answer for my, you know, questions until I watched a very in-depth documentary about this movie called uh, More Brains. And I've watched this documentary several times. Mm -hmm. So I was never actually sure if she was naked below the waist Mm -hmm. because she's wearing these chaps and something just always looked kind of off to me. And I got the whole scoop, if you want to hear it. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so they did have her do this dance in the nude. And a producer was like, look, we can't have pubic hair in this movie. It's (laughs) going to cause a whole big issue with ratings. And so, logically, they just had her shave everything and they shot it again. And the same producer was like, we... 
that's even worse. (laughs) So then they shot it again, but this time they had her wear some kind of appliance that essentially just makes her look like a Barbie doll. (laughs) So um, that's what we're actually seeing. And it always just kind of looked a little odd to me, I'll say. So you're saying this movie actually inspired people shaving their pubic hairs probably in porn. I mean, maybe it could have. They did say in the documentary, you know, that was very, very rare at the time. So this might have been another another thing that this movie was, you know, kind of a trendsetter. Jeez, full frontal yeah. without really going full frontal is like kind of what they did. <laughs> and I wonder if they invented that, too, which that's very impressive as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. I mean, I mean, I think I was so I had to watch this movie like I guess they're releasing a new Scream Factory or Shout Factory or whatever a 4K release of this within the next year. So I had Mm -hmm. to, my job, I had to watch it at work and I had to watch all of the commentary, all of these um, behind the scenes features that you're talking about, Joe, the more brains uh, documentary. I've, I've seen, there's multiple commentary tracks. I've seen them all. So if there's something wrong with it, it actually is my fault. It really is. (laughs) But I remember being at work and having to watch this scene just multiple times and like looking behind me being like, people probably think I'm like a fucking creeper dude watching this scene over and over and over hey, again trash is taken off of clothes again like i love that yeah line. it's like oh i get the light that's what they yeah. say it's like what the <laughs> yeah get the like, flares or whatever and then you and then you uh, got that that one guy suicide who's like the, like the top the, the biggest one and, he, and he's like the other girls like the trash is like coming on to him and he's like what this is a graveyard have some respect yeah <laughs> he's like he definitely has ed dude like it's like <laughs> everybody was so like weird dude yeah like she's getting naked she's like have you ever thought about dying that guy's like uh no and it should be said that this is Linnea Quigley something of a scream queen and you know if you grew up watching horror movies in the 80s you probably saw her boobs plenty uh she was in silent night deadly night she was in night of the demons and uh actually if you've ever seen nightmare on elm street 4 she has kind of a blink and you miss it moment she is a a soul coming out of freddy's chest at the very end when he dies and and even in that you can see her boobs (laughs) you know it was funny in the doc in the documentary they said that one of the reasons she got the part in this is because of being naked in silent night deadly night the casting director knew she was comfortable with it so they're like well just put her in it then (laughs) it's like that's crazy you can just get by just because of that (laughs) I love it. There's a bunch of familiar faces in here. If if you know the Friday the 13th movies, you know, we just covered Jason Lives not long ago. And Tom Matthews, who played Tommy Jarvis, he's here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miguel Nunez, who is in Friday 5, which we haven't covered yet. Yeah, dude, he's the guy who dies on the toilet, right? With his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yep. I know, dude. We'll definitely have to do that one. You know, another interesting thing about that guy, Miguel Nunez, apparently he was homeless when they were filming this, dude. Um, he was just like living in his car or whatever, and everybody thought he was joking, but he's like, nah, I really do. And I mean, obviously his life's improved since then, but he was genuinely homeless when he got this. Good for him. I know. That's just like so interesting to me. Yeah, I learned quite a bit listening to uh, the commentary tracks. And one thing I, I want to know if, what you heard about this, Joe, but I heard Dan O'Bannon was an asshole on set to <laughs> everybody. This is the director, Eric. Yeah. Uh, I, and interesting enough, um, this movie was originally supposed to be directed by Toby Hooper. Yes. 
And who knows what that would have looked like. But Dan O'Bannon was mostly known as a writer. He co-wrote Alien and Total Recall. I mean, he has a pretty impressive resume. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't direct too many movies. And yes, I've heard he was not the easiest uh, guy to work for. The girl who plays Tina in this movie, uh, Freddie's girlfriend, had a particularly interesting story about uh, how Dan invited her over to his house to run lines and when she got there uh, she noticed like a gun on his table he was nowhere to be found there was a gun and there was porn on the tv and she just like shouted out to him uh dan sorry i i I gotta go i forgot about an appointment and just booked it out of there And I, I remember seeing a documentary with him, you know, because he, he died uh, a couple years ago. But there's a documentary yeah. of him just like sm- chain smoking cigarettes, talking to a camera like in an apartment. He's like, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of guns back then. I was in a. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Born. And like he doesn't <laughs> deny it at all. And yeah. another mean thing he did to that girl, dude. Do you guys remember the scene where um, Tina's running up the stairs to like escape or whatever? She's in the basement in yes. Tarman. Dude, mm-hmm. Dan O'Bannon broke that step on purpose and didn't tell her, dude. And she ran up and fell through that step and, like, luckily didn't, like, legit break her arm or leg or whatever. That's fucked up. Yeah, from what I understand, this was a a pretty crazy shoot. Like, they ended up firing one of the special effects guys and brought somebody else in. And the cast really didn't seem to get along very well. And it was just, you know, it was a quick and cheap shoot. And, you know, none of this, I feel like, translates when you watch the movie. No. Like, when you watch the movie, it's just a party. But, yeah, when you, when you hear these stories, it, it seemed like also, a really Also, you made song. Trash do the dance three times. It's like, did, did, you, did you know you couldn't use, <laughs> you know, full frontal and you just made her do it three times? Like, that's a, the thing that just jumped out <laughs> in my mind. That does seem odd. Well, I guess Clue Gulag or whatever. I keep, I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong, but they got a fist fight apparently on set too. <laughs> this, this movie sounds ridiculous. Oh yeah, <laughs> Clue Gulager went after him with a baseball <laughs> bat, from what I understand. <laughs> Dude, the documentary is honestly as interesting as Do the you movie. Want a party? Yeah, you just see like him with a baseball. Yeah. <laughs> it's party time. <laughs> But they did. They did multiple track, uh, multiple commentary tracks where they have all of the cast like talking about it. Then they have all the crew talking they just about all it. Talking shit, and they have, like... <laughs> um, not really, but they are all kind of talking shit nicely about Dan O'Bannon. They're like, "Oh, remember like when he did that? Like oh, that yeah, was kind of weird." I remember. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, really great, uh, familiar cast. You're right, Joe. A lot of people that we recognize from the '80s. Also, I could not put my finger on it, but Don, uh, Don Calfa. Loved his character in this. Ernie, I think was his name. The Embalmer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, dude, I loved his character, but like I, I can't remember seeing him in anything, but he was such a standout. The only thing I remember him from, and I didn't look him up, but he was in Weekend at Bernie's. Mm. He's like the guy that uh, is supposed to kill Bernie. Uh, I, it's been years since I saw that, but I remember his face from that. You're right. Yeah, Paulie in Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, you're right. I just, I love him so much, and I was so surprised I've, like, never really seen him before. He died only a couple years ago, too. He's been around for quite a while. But, yeah, loved him. I thought he was amazing. Yeah, do you guys have any favorite characters that stand out? You know, I was going to say Frank, who his casting was kind of a holdover from when Toby Hooper was involved Mm. because they had worked together on Poltergeist. And, you know, he's the guy that, you know, moved the headstones in Poltergeist. And I just love him in this movie. I think him and Tom Matthews are like just a great comedic pair. They're like Abbott and Costello. You know, I just, I I think they're hilarious in this movie. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I love, yeah, just like how young he is, how old he is. But there's, he's kind of like that older guy that's taking you under his wing. He's going to say, tell you things that you shouldn't probably do or hear. That, and, that, yeah. that when he was like teaching him, that felt like so real. So like, yeah, improv almost and natural. I just I always like the yeah. scene where he's just like, "Do you want to see him?" He's like, "See what the corpses and like does like a face." Like I just it was he just nailed lines. He nailed lines. Oh, and in that scene when they're talking about where they get the uh, cadavers and everything, and they're like, "Oh, we get them from India or whatever." Apparently, after this movie came out and they said that, uh, apparently that like stopped. That whole industry stopped becoming a thing. That was another thing I heard about this movie that like the India cadaver uh, industry actually pretty much stopped after this movie. Okay, because, see, I wanted to bring this up because (laughs) when we did our Creep Show episode, I said that the Creep in that movie, you know, uh, Tom Savini built him on top of an Indian cadaver. So that's really interesting that this was like a real thing that you could get dead bodies from India. And I guess Hollywood took full advantage of it. That's so disturbing. There's actually a bunch of little bits um in this early scene where where freddie and uh frank are walking around this medical supply shop there's a bunch of little bits that have really stuck with me that was one of them and actually it was later when they talk about um in the crematorium when they say the heart is like a really it's the hardest thing to burn and then when they're talking about rigor mortis i don't know there's just there's so many little bits of information about uh, the human body that's really stuck with me from watching this movie as a yeah, kid. Well, first off, I'm going to pour myself a nice Chianti tonight and I go down a YouTube or Google rabbit hole about Indian cadavers and just learn about it and then report back to you what I find. Fascinating stuff. This podcast is insane right now. I'm just like thinking about where, what we've talked about. What a spectrum. <laughs> No, seriously. Um, but I did hear that. And, you know, also mentioning Poltergeist earlier, they said that those are real corpses, too. And it's yeah. that was 82 as well. And this was 85, right? So maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe in the early 80s, they were just like, whatever, whatever. There's a, there's a company that, that, you know, we need bodies and they'll provide them. It's so crazy. Uh, I, I, t- I texted you guys a picture, too, of another the, when the dog cadaver comes alive and they start smashing it with like a crutch or something. My dog was watching that scene. I was yeah. like, oh, don't look at this, Miley. Like, oh, poor dog. Watching a, like a dog cut in half, like slowly moving. 
getting whacked by a crutch. I'm like, oh, like this dog has seen so much craziness. Like, I love that though. I gotta say, I feel like this movie gets the the balance of horror and comedy so perfectly, and it was done well a lot in the '80s. I feel like if you look back on like American Werewolf or The Lost Boys, even Jason Lives, we talked about it there. Mm. There were a lot of good horror comedies. I think this is one of the best because. I feel like when it's funny, it's genuinely funny. And there are some legit disturbing moments, like a moment that's always stuck out to me is when Frank kills himself, when he burns himself in the crematorium. Yeah. I feel like that is legitimately disturbing. Oh, God. He's like, his like hands are burning as he's like trying to shut the stuff and gets on it. Yeah, dude. That's And he takes his ring off. Like, that's, yeah. it's brutal. But like this zombie goo or whatever it's getting on everybody. This is, like, way more intense than any other zombie movie because, like, even if you're decapitated, even if your arms are removed, the arms still want to kill people. So it's, like, this is the most aggressive zombie thing I think I've ever seen, right? I mean, I don't know. Can't think of any of the other one. No. I mean, yeah, that's a great twist. They think, you know, once they destroy the brain that they're going to be okay because they, they know Night of the Living Dead. They know the rules. But then they put, like, a pickaxe through this one zombie's brain, and, yeah, it doesn't stop them. And they have to literally dismember him and burn him. But that only leads to more problems. Dude, that and then also, like, how easily it spreads. I love it when they just throw it in the crematorium. Like, all right, great. Like, we're done. It's all over. And all of a sudden that just spreads. The rain drops down, and then it gets into all the corpses. Like, that's such a good idea. Like, it's just really... <laughs> clever it reminded me i mean obviously the south park episode the worcester sauce or whatever oh yeah the pink eye pink eye that's the one uh when yeah it's the same concept yeah. as this oh yeah i'm sure they took it from this movie oh yeah. it's, it's from this i realized that I was like, oh that's that's where the south park episode got it from <laughs> pink eye yeah yeah exactly now um i know you're gonna know this joe but eric do you remember where they said this takes place where it's set it was like the first thing the first frame uh, I think so. They, they mentioned it a couple times throughout. I don't remember. Philadelphia, was it? No. No. So it's it's Kentucky. Okay. That's where it's set. Louisville, Kentucky. Right. Oh, and the map. The map at the end shows Kentucky. Yep, yep. Yeah. Now, there is no way in hell this is this is Kentucky. This, like, so obviously is Los Angeles. But I want to know, like, why do you guys think it takes place in Louisville, Kentucky, of all places? Why that? Because they can't find the shipment, and that's the last place the shipment would be, probably. <laughs> It's not a bad guess. What about you, Joe? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've never given that any consideration, but uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, Eric's uh, thoughts. Yeah, no, I, you know, the only reason I could think is because if it was Los Angeles, like there's no way they could ever cover something like this up. Like they, they end up mm -hmm. bombing this area or whatever. So Louisville, Kentucky is like small enough where like, okay, maybe this could get covered up and they could like, you know, it wouldn't make national news. But if you do this to New York or LA, like, or DC or something like this is, there's no way you can cover this up. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't think of any other reason, but it is clearly Los Angeles. So I don't know <laughs> what they were trying to do to trick people, but yeah. I don't know. Good point. So I also wanted to bring up Ernie. I really liked his character. <laughs> I know we kind of just talked about him, but he's asking the hard-hitting questions when they bring the bags in. And he's like, ah, I just, I got these weasels. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? And like, <laughs> he's like, it's like, so like, yeah. it's like, what do you want me to do with them? He's like, can we just throw them in your crematorium? He's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I feel bad. It's, oh, just, it's like, how did you come upon these weasels? Like, could we do something else with them? Like, he's asking like hard-hitting questions. He's like, well, just throw it in the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
And he just happens to have a gun on him, too. Yeah, yeah that was wild. Like, imagine, he, he just, like, walks up to him, he pulls it out. It's like, what the hell? This guy's on edge, man. Well, he makes a very, like, scary call at the end, you know, when he's, like, up in the attic with Tina, and he's got his arm around her, and he's got the gun, like, to her head. Yeah, like, the, the Joe says, this is a pretty disturbing movie. Uh, and one other thing I was going to mm-hmm. bring up that I loved was, like, right after the acid stuff, broke out and then the kid is all like oh my god this is i gotta do something he's like hey if you like this job you're gonna do this he's like like this job like (laughs) fucking hate this job (laughs) yep yeah you know alec uh you mentioned um tar man earlier and i just want to say like this is one of my favorite movie zombies of all time i mean probably like bub from day of the dead which which we still need to get to by the way bub I really love like the the Father's Day zombie and creep show yeah. and Tar Man. That's like my top three zombies. You know, it's just whoever did this performing, like it just looks like their body could like fall apart at any moment. I think it's just an incredible piece of physical performance. Mm, that guy's in a lot of the documentaries, Alan Troutman. And yeah, he is like a big lanky dude. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't see him in the. Uh, he's in the documentary. You remember him? Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I I, I saw him speak, and I I just I, I'm just blown away by his performance. And I think he he came back for this part two. I don't know if you want to talk about the sequels at all. <laughs> you know what? Since we're here, um, have you have you seen? There's four of them, right? You know, I think there's five, but I only really count three. Okay, they just start to really go off the walls, or well, the the last two were like direct-to-video movies released sometime in the 2000s that I I, I think I rented them out of curiosity, but uh, they were just movies that kind of just took advantage of the title, Mm. you know, kind of like Creepshow 3, like unofficial title, unofficial sequels. But um, the other movies I saw a little bit out of order, like I saw um, Return of the Living Dead 3 as soon as it came out on video. That was kind of a, a little bit of an event if you were paying attention to like direct-to-video horror movies at the time it was like on the cover of fangoria and i think part three is quite a bit of fun it's it's like really over the top gruesome special effects and yeah it's it's almost like a romeo and juliet zombie story it takes itself much more much more serious than than the other two movies and then return of living living dead 2 i caught up with my friends way back when and i remember us all being kind of disappointed because it's really trying to recapture the magic of this movie, but it has none of the attitude, none of the edge. It feels very, just very silly, very watered down. I've watched it a, a few more times since, and it's grown on me a little bit. It's it's almost like you got to go in expecting something like Monster Squad, huh. kind of like a, a kind of like a kid friendly zombie movie. I mean, I love Monster Squad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. If if don't go in expecting something like this, so it's not full frontal nudity, is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> so I was very disappointed, obviously. But how do they explain away the the bombing? Like, do they talk about that at all? It it doesn't take place in Kentucky. Tell the truth, I don't remember where it takes place. And actually, James Karen and Tom Matthews come back. You know, they they try and do as different characters, oh. and they try and do this whole kind of comedy routine again, and it. It just feels a little stale, you know, it's just not as sharp, but it has its moments. It has some fun, you know, like zombie effects and stuff. And it's very 80s. It's this was like 87, 88, I think. And it's not really a punk rock movie. It's more like a a heavy metal movie. It doesn't have that same 
uh, like I wish the kind of music influence remained a theme through the whole series. Mm. And it, there's just touches of it in the other movies, like in Return of the Living Dead 3, because that was the early 90s, the lead character like wants to go to Seattle and play in a, uh, you know, play drums in a grunge band. And I wish the, the music element was as strong in the sequels as it was in this first movie. Yeah, it's so punk rock, this one. It's just, it's beating you over the head with the punk rock. I was watching this and I was like, I don't like remakes that much. But I was watching this and I was like, I think they could remake this movie. There's Return of the Living Dead as is, and it could be really good. Like a punk rock still? Oh, still punk rock, like new age punk rock. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I like, I like, it's almost like futuristic punks in this, in this film. Maybe if they do something like that again, like kind of make it like not this world almost. But I, I really liked this movie and I was like, I, I could see them remaking it and just improving upon some parts. Also, Andrew WK has to do the party music uh, song. <laughs> and No, but like keep keep the same like theme song though, but like a, a refresh of it. I would I would love that. I mean, I, and, I, and I know people listening are probably like, oh, screw this guy. He wants to remake this movie. It's like, no, I just... <laughs> Why not? It could be fun. This one could be, I mean, could be remade in a cool way. Honestly, you saying the Andrew WK thing, like, even if they don't remake the movie, I do want to hear him cover that song. Do you want a party? Yeah, dude, that would be actually awesome. He pretty much does listen to all the music. (laughs) Well, damn. Um, Yeah, this was a great movie. Really glad that all three of us got to be on here again uh, together. But, uh, yeah, do you guys have any last-minute thoughts before we wrap up? I'm so glad we got to this one. This is, you know... Kind of a favorite of mine. And um, yeah, I, we need to pencil in Day of the Dead and finish up the uh, Romero trifecta. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, this was a <laughs> good time. Hell yeah, dude. Eric, you got any last minute thoughts? Nah, just uh, what I said before. This was, a, this was a fun podcast for sure to do. And <laughs> just like everything we talked about, it's just been crazy. <laughs> I know, dude. Well, I mean, this... If you're if you like the movie, honestly, watch the documentaries and like even listen to the commentary tracks. And there's a couple of them, but like this movie's pretty interesting. Like everything that went on behind the scenes. So yeah, and I, I picture a lot of like bikers from the 80s and 90s like love this movie. Like <laughs> like if you go to a biker bar, it's like this is in the on in the background. Right. right. <laughs> well, Eric, what do you say you spin the wheel? I say we should spin the wheel, Alec. We pull it up. Ready, spinning. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what this film is. Creep. Yes. Hell yes. All right. What's that about? I'm not going to ruin it at all. You got to watch oh, it, okay. Eric. I mean, I'm going to Google the synopsis right now. It's, it's a really cool movie. It's very, very low budget and indie, but it's honestly done. It's one of the best indie movies, horror films ever made, I think. Have you ever seen that one, Joe? Whoa, no. I've, I don't think I've ever even heard of it. It's a Duplass Brothers. I don't know if you guys know them. They did that Room 104, I think, on HBO. And, uh, yeah, it's it's honestly, it's fantastic. There's only two actors in the whole movie. Uh, it's, yeah, very good. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, Eric. I, I, I think you're going to enjoy it. Hell yeah. All right, cool. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm, I know we'll definitely get you on in the future once this wheel is done, but always good to have you on, and uh, for especially for such a great movie. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will see everybody tomorrow with Creep. Woo! With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.